Adam Pengilly. Good morning to you, mate. How are you? Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. Can I echo, echo the sentiments about JR? Um, wish her all the best with her family moving down to Melbourne. She's going to be hugely missed on the program. So what about going to live in Melbourne through winter? That's going to be pretty harsh, though, isn't it, Jared? Oh, yeah, grim. Grim yeah. and grey. Then again, young. here it's just been wet. I know, I know. We can't, we can't talk, can we, up here in Sydney? I've got an idea, Jared, for, for, for Clarkie and Loz. Tell me, buddy. On the BSB Grand Final Luncheon, we should have a match race at Rose Hill between Foxy Cleopatra and Pretty Wild. Oh, more for that. Well, Foxy, Foxy will get scratched. Yeah, Foxy <laughs> needs a perfect barrier, perfect weather, no bindies. Yeah, I'm starting to worry about Foxy. Pretty Wild. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty Wild's chilled. Pretty Wild knows her space in the market and she's willing to have a crack at any stage. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Can, not sure can, Chris Waller will be good, but I'm good. Tell Waller to get her back in work, Clarky. Yeah, actually... Three weeks to get her ready for this. Yeah, and I've been poor this week. I haven't followed him up, so I'll, I'm going to find... By, I'll know on Monday exactly what's happening, but I agree. It, mate, time to get back on the tools. Pretty wild. Or you end up with Foxy. Kelsey <laughs> we, Lee's birthday party. A couple of ponies we, riding the kids around. Slow and steady <laughs> wins the race, boys. Slow and steady. You, you uh, just, just a little quiet build-up for Foxy. You, you, you went back and you see it when I told you Barrier 18 oh. Sunday. Right, we've had no luck with Foxy. But that's okay. We've got to start somewhere, man. That's it. Um, now, Manly, let's talk some footy. And before we get to Para Penrith tonight, uh, Manly, tell us what came out of that meeting yesterday between the club power brokers and Hasler and Des Hasler's uh, agent as well. Yeah, I can say mixed messaging, Jared. If I can put it in those terms, there's certainly a... A school of thought, definitely, definitely from Desert's side of things, that there was a chance to, to coach on in 2024 and get an extra one-year extension. Whether that was actually offered or not, I'm not too sure. Because certainly on the other side of the business, with the, with the owners, with Scott Penn and the CEO Tony Mestrov, I think this they want to get some sort of succession plan. They're saying there was no guarantee that Des will definitely be coaching in in 2024. It's just been an absolute mess this week, hasn't it, boys? Like I just I, I know Manly going through a, a quite a period of turmoil here. There's a lot of politics at play at the moment. But they need to get this sorted ASAP because soon enough they'll be back at pre-season training. Des needs to get that roster in shape. There's a lot of young guys in that roster he needs to bring through early next year. And as you've said countless times before, Loz, I, I, I don't know who takes over at Manly if Des is not doing the job, mm. <laughs> um, to be honest. Look, it doesn't seem to me like a, a ready-made replacement. But the other thing, Adam, is what happens if they go, well, we don't like your success in plan? Mm. Mm. What, what, what happens then? So Des I, can I, come up with a succession plan. But if they don't like that succession plan, or do they just follow the succession plan? Yeah. How's, how's it operate? Like, yeah. I, I, has he got final say on how it all looks, or does he have to convince everybody that that is what they want going forward? I think we're going to be going to a situation next year where, like we've seen many times in the past, where the first couple of months there'll be a lot of talk and a lot of noise around Manly about how they're tracking, whether Des will get another contract, another year on his deal for, for 2024. What I will say is all these clauses they're put into the deals, and it seems to be the, the modern thing these days. A lot of coaches are not on the traditional standard contracts that we're used to seeing in the past, a three- or four-year deal, and if you, you don't make it, you get paid out your full salary. There's a lot of a lot of wiggle room for, for clubs these days. But with a coach like Des, and, and I've heard it that's been spoken about this week, is you know he had to make the top six this year. It wasn't the top eight, it was the top six he had to make this year to trigger the next extra year in 2024. Well, it gives the coach that narrow tunnel vision focus that all they want to do is just win this week and win next week to try and trigger another clause in their deal. And not thinking about potentially what's going to happen in two or three years down the track and, and keeping the club moving in the right direction. 
And I think that's really dangerous. And I'm not saying that Des has definitely gone down that path, but you see a situation with a guy like Kieran Foran, who, don't get me wrong, had an outstanding year. But he was he was more liable to go with guys like him who, who he's known have done the job in the past to try and get results right here and now, rather than maybe bringing a few kids. Well, I, thought, I thought a young guy, I don't know if you saw him, was by the name of K.O. Weeks, uh, played in the last game of the season for the Bulldogs. He's had some big wraps on him, but he only got one game towards the end of the year. And I think maybe he could have had six, seven games this year and been a little bit further down the path of development. I don't know, but um, Manly's a fascinating watch at the moment. Okay, tonight, Penrith, Parramatta, 1v4. So much at stake for these two clubs heading into this final series. How do you see it? Yeah, I'm still to be Penrith, Jared. Um, I, I think just the, with the rest last week, a lot of their starting team virtually rested. No one travelled to Townsville, and they'll be right up for this game. But I think Parramatta will make it close. I think they'll trouble them for, for a lot of the game. As I've seen so far this year, they've beaten them twice and, and done it really well as well. So I, in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking we're on course for potentially a Penrith and Parramatta grand final. I think if Parramatta do lose tonight and go onto the other side of the draw, they can come through that, that, that second week of the finals and potentially play the, Cow, uh, the, sorry, the Sharks or the Cowboys in the prelim final in, in a couple of weeks' time and qualify for a grand final. So can't wait to see this game tonight. I know a lot of the talk's been about this Tail and May situation this week. I still can't get my head around how the NRL come up with that decision to, to defer his suspension. I much would have preferred if they sort of said, well, listen, we think it's worth a two- or three-week suspension, but given the court case has been finalised at this time of year, your next game's a final, we'll give you a one-week ban. And I think a lot of people would have copped that, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think a lot of people, or even if it was a ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 fine. Yep, yep. You know? Um, I, I, I think the fact that we've never seen it happen before and we're all just sort of scratching our heads thinking, how do you get a suspension? You're mm. allowed to possibly play up to 10 games before that suspension comes into effect because not only is he going to play in the finals this season, but he's got the World Cup at the end of the year as well. Well, he was playing 10 games, Los Coney, before he suspended. That's exactly right. So you can play 10 games. And then, you know, we had people point out on the text line, what, what happens if that was... Well, what happens if he's going to another club next year? What yeah. happens if he retires? So, so the other club pays the penalty <laughs> rather than yeah. Penrith. Yeah, it, it just hasn't retires. made me that big. Or if he was ret- retiring. <laughs> or do you leave it open for a, yeah. you know, a player that's had 15 years in the game, say, and never been suspended, mm. and you know, two weeks after the finals, he does something... On the field, do you look at that and then go, well, because it's finals coming up, he's had such a great record on and off the field, we're not going to let him serve that suspension? I, I don't know. They're just theories and questions that we were asked yesterday that we couldn't answer. We, we do see a situation, boys, a, a little bit similar. I'm not going to say it's completely identical, but a little bit similar in racing where a jockey can be suspended for a certain amount of time and the stewards will offer them the opportunity to to either take that suspension straight away and potentially miss, the, say, the next Saturday's racing, if it's especially around carnival time, or defer it and keep riding for an extra nine days and then take the suspension after that. And I suppose maybe that's sort of factored into Peter Blandy's thinking a, a little bit, but it's, it's, there's a little bit of wiggle room for jockeys. But in, in, in rugby league, I, I, can't just, I just can't quite get my head around how it's played out this week. Uh, the other finals, can you envisage an upset at all with Canberra, the Cowboys and the Bunnies, all underdogs against the Storm, Sharks and Roosters? Yeah, I'm sitting two upsets this week, Jared. I, I, I'm sort of 
slowly warming to Loz's theory. So I think Canberra are a massive chance of beating Melbourne uh, tomorrow down there at Amy Park. I just think they've got the right momentum at this time of year. For whatever reason, their style of play just seems to trouble Melbourne a little bit. I think Melbourne are just... I, don't know, I think they're just running out a bit of gas at the moment. They've had two really hard games the last couple of weeks against the Roosters, that brutal contest, and then against Parramatta last Thursday night. I know they've had extra few days rest as opposed to the Raiders. I think there's a lot of momentum being built by the Raiders with Jack White and coming back, Elliot Whitehead, and that front row combination, Tarpany and Papali'i, is just out of this world at the moment. So I'm giving Canberra a huge chance of causing an upset down there in Melbourne. And I actually think, I think the Rabbitohs are a chance of being the Roosters on Sunday. I know the Roosters did it fairly comfortably there last week, but again, the Roosters seem to be carrying a few injuries. I think Manu's a massive blow for the Roosters, yeah. him, him being out this week. Like he, he's their genuine X factor. I know they've got stars all across the park, but he's a guy that can bob up anywhere and, and cause so many problems with so many different teams. So, uh, he's out. They're carrying a couple of injuries with, you know, Sua Lee. How fit is he with his shoulder? Jared Warrior Hydrogen and Sam Beryl didn't finish the game last week. And I just don't think Latrell Mitchell will be as quiet as what he was last week. I just can't see him having two quiet games in a row. So for the upsets this week, I think there can be a couple of upsets. Jerome's sending the Raiders to beat the Storm. And I think Rabbitohs might be able to squeak past the Roosters as well on Sunday. Adam, what's the latest on Bronson Cherry? I saw a photo of him in the paper yesterday. He looks ginormous. Is he eyeing an NRL return? Yeah, fascinating story in the Telegraph today, Clarky, that he's, he's, he's engaged with a, a high-profile player agent down here in Sydney to find him an NRL club for his return, potentially in 2024. And um, you're right, he's been very active on Instagram, I suppose, the last 12 to 18 months, and his body shapers. <laughs> Mate, he looks like a completely different person. Body, he's a bodybuilder, isn't he, Clarky? He looks like a bodybuilder. Unbelievable. Um, so he's obviously staying fit, but that's not the type of body shape you need to play NRL at the top level. Yeah. So. If he wants to get back into the game, he's going to have to try and um, lose a bit of that uh, muscle mass, if I can put it in those terms, and, and try and be a little bit leaner and a little bit faster. But obviously, he's kept himself fit. That's the main thing. And Loz, do you think a club will take a chance on him? Like yes. He's young, he's young enough. Yep. He's young enough. Yep. Someone will take a chance on him. I, in fact, I, I think there'll be a few. Is he? Yeah. Well, was he that good a player? Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He, okay. He, he might even turn into an edge back rower. Mate, yeah. you'd be a front row looking at him now. Did you <laughs> yeah. see, have you seen the photo of him? I did. I, I, I saw the photo. My God. He's um, been doing plenty of weights, by the look of him. Mm-hmm. But um, he's uh, he's very talented. There's, there's no doubt about that. And he's young, mm. so he's got time on his side. So he could come back and still have an eight, ten-year career. Yeah, but I, I would say that he'd have to change his body shape mm. and lose a bit of that bulk. Um, but if he stays sort of that sort of size or even... Um, you know, if he loses his bit of speed, we'll he, push into the back row more mm. than a, than being a centre. Yeah, okay. well, to, to me, his attribute was his speed, wasn't it? Like, yeah. he, was, he, was, he was lightning quick, and he, he wouldn't want to lose too much of that when he comes back to the NRL. That's 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 his big selling point, isn't it, really? Uh, he can provide you some firepower out wide with his, with his just electric yeah. speed. So He's so strong, too. Yeah, and I, I reckon you're right. I reckon there will be a club that will take a chance on him. He's probably going to have to earn, you know, minimum money, to, I'd imagine, for the first yeah. year or two to, until he proves himself. But I think there'll be a few clubs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think there'll be just one or two. I think there'll be a, a number of clubs that'll put the feelers out towards him. Mm, fascinating to watch how that plays out in the next 12 months. Okay, some racing and uh, just seeing what's going on at Rose Hill at the moment. Glenn Munsey's uh, told us, go to the Australian Turf Club website and uh, you can just, if you click on the racing tab, so australianturfclub.com.au, click on the racing tab and you can follow through and get the live data of uh, you know how much rainfall, what the wind conditions are like and so far they've had 1.8 mils today. Uh, so what was it, soft five yesterday? So we'll be watching that, uh, Adam, but 
just before we get to your best bets as well, I just saw the news as well that James McDonald, I saw it yesterday, is uh, set to ride Enemo in the George Main on Saturday week at Ramwick. Yeah, we predicted that, didn't we, Jared? I think I think the fact he's a cult and for good Olsen probably made his decision just a little bit easier, I reckon. And that's not taking anything away from Zaki as a racehorse. He's a, he's a tremendous, tremendous galloper, but... Being a gelding, I suppose for James, we're thinking about the long-term prospects for, of what Animo can achieve as well and some of the benefits that might come flow back to him from riding a stallion to some more group mind success. So I'm not completely surprised about that decision, but it opens up, opens up the ride on Zaki, doesn't it? You can imagine Annabelle Nisham's phone at the moment. Well, it looks like that Zaki's a good chance of going to the Underwood anyway. Yeah, that's on the true. Sunday. They're going to meet. They're going to meet in the in the Fox, Fox Plate, Plate yeah. at some stage, and I'd imagine that both James Cummings and Godolphin and Annabelle and her owners would have wanted to call fairly early in the piece to know where they're going for later in the campaign. So, I don't begrudge James that choice. I think he's probably made the right choice, and uh, he'll stick with Animo, and he probably should be uh, should he should already have a Fox Plate on his uh, on his mantelpiece, Jared. Who do you like Absolutely. tomorrow, mate? Um, I won't be Robinson Crusoe here tomorrow, Loz. Race four, number five, Hammer on. He's a really promising galloper. He was great when he first up. I know it was only a midweek race, but I think stepping up to 800 metres suits him perfectly. I'm happy to take him on it. I take it, be with him at the shorts. And my best value bet's going to come up in the last race, race 10, number two, Mananui. Chris Waller's got a 1,000 horses in his last race there tomorrow, but he might be a horse that flies under the radar. He's coming across to New Ze- from, from New Zealand to Australia and hasn't really fired too much of a shot. They gelded him. His first up run, he was beaten a fair distance. Just watching past the post, he was up there with them about 100 metres, 150 metres after the post. That was a 1,200-metre race. Steps out to 1,500 metres. Inside draw for Jason Collett. I can see him being somewhere in the finish at a nice price. So race four, number five, hammer on the best. And the value is race 10, number two, Mananui in the last at Rose Hill there tomorrow. Okay, so race four, number five, hammer on's $2.25 with Tab. And race 10, number two, Mananui is $11 the win. And three thirty, the place. Adam's best. Your comment about Enemo and the Cox Plate wasn't lost on me. You sound like uh, a jilted punter there. Of course, uh, Adam. <laughs> uh, I feel that way about Il Paradiso in the Melbourne Cup a few years ago. But also, what else we're watching uh, this weekend? Very elegant is more than likely to be retired if she fails in her second run in France on Sunday. That'll be very late Sunday night our time slash early Monday morning. And uh, I, I still believe they're to make a decision on what race she's going to run in. So it's either a Group 1 over 2,400, uh, where apparently she's not weighted very well at all, taking on fillies and mares there from over in Europe, or a Group 2 over 2,800. So that's going to be a big story over the weekend, or by the end of the weekend. Yeah, I've got my fingers crossed, Jared. We don't want to see her go out with two subpar runs on the other side of the world, do we? Considering everything she's done over here in Australia, she's an absolute champion winning 10 or 11 Group 1s. Um, She's getting out to her right trip now, regardless of what race they run her in, Jerry. 2,400 metres or 2,800 metres probably suits her down to the ground. So, uh, yeah, I heard Brace of Salty's comments saying this could be a last run if she doesn't aim up. And they, they won't overtax her, obviously. But, geez, I'd hate to see her go out with another subpar run over there. Let's, let's keep our fingers crossed. I'm sure she can improve on what she did first up over there at 2,000 metres. And uh, would love to see the dream stay alive for the after Have a great weekend, mate. See you, boys.